The Medrash Rabbah on Parshat Mishpatim begins by expounding on the first words of the Parsha. What is written, asks the Medrash, before this portion? It says, something must have written, been written before. It says earlier on, They shall judge the people at all times, using the word shoftu, which is like the word mishpatim, the same root. Continues the Medrash, And it says here, And the Ten Commandments are bang in the middle, they're right in between, these two, the shoftu and mishpatim. This is analogous, says the Medrash, to a noble woman who is walking, an armed guard on one side, an armed guard on the other side, and she is right in the middle. says the Medrash, So too the Torah has dinim, laws, before it, and dinim, laws, after it, and the Torah is in the middle. That's what it means when it says in Mishli, this is the Posuk, Periches, Posuk Chof, I walk on the path of righteousness. The Torah says, in which path should I walk? I'll walk in the path of those who perform righteousness, who are righteous in the midst of the paths of justice. Where do we see it before? The Torah has dinim, laws before, and dinim, laws after. And it is in the middle, the Torah is in the middle, as it says, the Pasuk says, before the Torah was given, there he instituted statutes and ordinances. And after the Torah was given, it says, the Pasuk says, at the beginning of our parsha, these are the laws, these are the ordinances. There's another interpretation, says the Medrash. There were three things to which Moshe devoted his life, and they are referred to by his name. What are they? Yisrael, Israel, the Torah, and the laws. Yisrael, come on, it's tar aleim, the nikru al shemoshe nemar, va yizkarime oilam moshe amoy. Yisrael, how much Moshe suffered on their account. And they were called by his name, as it says. It's a posuk in Yeshaya, Samach Gimel, posuk Yud Aleph. He remembered the days of old. Moshe remembered the days of old. He remembered his people. HaTorah, what about the Torah? Shenemar, Zichru Torahs Moshe Avdi. Torah, as it says in Malachi, Peri Gimel, posuk Chof Beis. Remember the Torah of Moses, of Moshe, my servant. It's combined. Torahs Moshe. Hadinim Shenemar, Ve'ela Mishpotim, Ashetosim Lifneim, the laws. It says here in Parshish Mishpatim, these are the ordinances, the laws that you shall place before them, before the Jewish people. The Dorash Mardachai cites this wonderful Medrash, and he suggests that it teaches us something fundamental about the concept of civil law in Jewish tradition. You might have thought that, as it is indeed the case with many other religions, ritual law is superior to any form of civil law and rules regarding interhuman relations. But in fact, the opposite is the case. 
Civil law in Judaism is the most fundamental aspect of our relationship with God. It isn't keeping Shabbos, it isn't keeping kosher, or even praying that brings us closest to God. Rather, it's ensuring that we are honest in business, in our financial affairs, and that we are kind to those in need, and always willing to do what the Torah tells us to do with regard to our behavior towards others, towards those around us. Which is why Chazal tell us that the first thing you're going to be asked when, by God, when you get to the heavenly court, when you pass into the next world, isn't, did you keep Shabbos or did you keep kosher, but were you honest and trustworthy in your financial affairs? That's what you're going to be asked by God. You can spend days looking for the best estrog before Sukkot or drive yourself crazy to make sure you have the most chometz-free home on Pesach. But that's not what God is going to be interested in when you finally encounter him face to face in the afterlife. Now, that's not to say that those things are not important. Of course they're important. But most important of all are the mishpatim, the laws between you and other people. That's at the head, the top of the list. Everything else comes afterwards. In fact, says the Darash Mordechai, maybe the question God is going to ask you is this. Where did you have all that money from to buy the most expensive estrogen luluv or the most expensive pair of tefillin? And the answer had better be that the money was honestly earned without any kind of deceit or unfair exploitation of others. The generation of the great flood of the Mabal, the time of Noach, sinned in every possible way. But the Torah tells us, do you know why they were punished? For the sin of stealing. Imagine that. The sin they probably thought was the least of their misdeeds is the one that brought them down and it resulted in the destruction of their entire world. And that's why, the Medrash tells us, Moshe declared to the Jewish people, God gave you the Torah. If you don't properly observe civil laws, God will take the Torah away from you. Why? Because God only gave you the Torah on condition that you behave properly towards each other and keep civil laws. Shenemar, as it says in Mishlei, Perik design Posigud base, Vo'oiz Melech Mishpat Ohev. The legendary Chidor, Reb Chaim Yosef David Azulai, has a beautiful pshat on this Chazal. The Gemara Maseches Shabbos describes the incredible scene of Moshe Rabbein of Moses ascending to heaven to receive the Torah. All the angels objected. They said to God, Give your beauty, namely the Torah, to the heavens. They wanted the Torah to stay in heaven, in the realm of God and the angels, and not to be given to the Jewish people, mortal humans of flesh and blood, who didn't deserve such a lofty and precious prize. But Moshe defended God's decision to the, give the Torah to the Jewish people. The Torah, he told the angels, has mitzvahs that are not relevant to you. For example, don't steal, don't kill. What relevance are these temporal commandments to you, angels in heaven? You don't steal, you don't kill, so clearly the Torah is meant for and totally suitable for the Jewish people. The commentaries on that Gemara explain this strange exchange between Moshe and the Malachim, the angels. Obviously, the angels were after the innermost spiritual secrets contained in the Torah and felt that they should get them, not the Jewish people. Their argument 
was what is known in Jewish law as bar metzra, a principle related to property rights and property transactions. This principle gives the neighbor of any property that is being sold the first right of refusal to purchase the property before it can be sold to someone else who's not a neighbor. The rationale behind this rule is to maintain the integrity and continuity of land ownership within a community, as well as to potentially prevent conflicts and disputes that may arise from external parties acquiring land within established boundaries of neighboring properties. But in this situation, the one we're talking about, the Torah, God, angels, Moshe Rabbeinu, the relevance of Bar Metzra is simple. The Torah was in heaven. So the angels said to God, we should get right of first refusal. We are the Torah's neighbors. Why are you giving it to an outsider before offering it to us? Moshe's answer was as brilliant as it was simple. According to the small print of the Bar Metzra rule, if giving the property to the neighbor will result in a loss to the current owner, then he can dispose of the property to where he will gain the most benefit. The angels may be able to excel at the innermost secrets of the Torah, but when it comes to the practical civil laws of society, they will not be able to compete with the Jewish people. When a Jew doesn't steal, they will be keeping the Torah in a way that the angels would never be able to keep it. When a Jew doesn't kill, they will be keeping the Torah in a way that the angels would never be able to keep it. So, according to the laws of Bar Metzra, God has every right to give the Torah to the Jewish people and to ignore the objections of the angels. That was Moshe Rabbeinu's brilliant retort. And guess what? God obviously liked what he said because the Jewish people received the Torah and they kept it. Says the Chidor, that is what the Medrash is telling us. The Torah has dinim before and dinim after, and it is in the middle, it is in between. The Torah is only safe if it remains padded on all sides, both before and after, by dinim, by mishpotim, by the laws that govern a civil society. And that's why Moshe declared to the Jewish people, God gave you the Torah, but if you don't properly observe civil laws, God will take the Torah away from you. Why? Because God only gave you the Torah on condition that you behave properly towards each other and keep civil laws. Otherwise, guess what? The angels can have it because the laws of Bar Metra won't apply to you and will apply to them and they have first rights to the Torah because they are its neighbors in heaven. And that is why the greatest Jewish leaders of our history were paranoid about even a hint of theft or dishonesty. It is well known, for example, how careful the Chofetz Chaim was regarding the sale of his Sforim, and that legend has it that every time he sent a letter or package via a messenger and didn't use the state-run mail service, he would rip up a stamp so that there wouldn't be theft from the post office because he wasn't using them to buy the stamp. Even though he didn't use the mail service, he still paid for the stamp as if he had used them. The Gemara in Bavakama of Tadizayin on the base, in its descriptions of various coins that were valid currency, describes a coin that had Avraham, Avinu and Sarah 
on one side depicted as old people and Yitzchak and Rivka as young people on the other side of the coin. Tosfos there says that their images were not actually depicted on the coin. Instead, the words Zokain Uzakena, old man, old woman, was written on one side of the coin, and on the other side of the coin it said, Bochur Ubesula, young boy, young girl. The Dorsher Shumais has an interesting take. There are desires and cravings that are unique to hot-blooded young people. And those desires and cravings don't affect elderly people who have long outgrown them. And then there are weaknesses that are unique to older people, desires that wouldn't even occur to younger people. But there is one weakness that is common to both young and old people. Do you know what it is? That weakness is money, material wealth. And this coin conveyed both. On one side you had the older people, and on the other side, younger ones, everyone can get caught up in Ta'avas Mamon, the desire of material wealth. The Chovitz Chaim was very fond of telling the following story. It's a remarkable story. Chazal teach us, Hizharu bivnei aniyim shemehem It's a Gemara in the Dorim daf pe'alef Aleph. Watch out for the poor, says the Gemara, the poor people, because it's from them that the Torah will emerge, will emanate. And this story, said the Chovetz Chaim, will prove it to you. There was a Jewish community somewhere in Pale of Settlement, which had the following custom. Everyone came together on Shabbos afternoon to say to Hillim before Mincha. One Shabbos, there was a guest in town, in that town, and he came early for Mincha to Shul, and he saw everyone in Shul saying to Hillim. Suddenly he noticed that there was one fellow who was saying to Hillim with incredible kavon, he was crying, he was sobbing, he seemed to be in a terrible state. It was actually mesmerizing to see such devotion and piety. When everyone had finished their Tehillim, this guest went over to the guy and said, excuse me, I hope you don't mind me asking, why do you say Tehillim like that? I mean, I was really quite moved. The man sighed, and he told the guest, let me tell you my situation. Tears flowed down his cheeks. I'm an ordinary man, just trying to make ends meet. But I struggle so much. I'm out all hours of the day and night, trying to make a living. But it's so tough. Obviously, the only day I don't work is Shabbos. But then when I come home for Shabbos, my inadequacy and in being unable to provide for my family is staring at me right in the face. I have a daughter. She needs to get married, but I don't have enough money to feed her, never mind to pay her for her, mar to pay for her marriage to a suitable husband. So every Shabbos afternoon I come here to say to Hillim, to pray to God for salvation from this misery. Please God, please help me provide for my daughter so that she can get married. That's why my Tehillim is so emotional. The guest from out of town listened to the story. You know, he was quiet for a moment. And then he said, do you know what? I'm in the same boat as you. I don't have two pennies to rub together, but I have a gorgeous son, a wonderful son. Do you know what? Maybe this is a perfect shidduch. You'll have no financial expectations of me and my son, and I have no financial expectations of you and your daughter. They'll have whatever it is that they have, and God will provide the rest you know what? This couple got married. The boy's name was Yosef Hakoyen Kahana Heller. 
and the girl's name was Nisala, and they had four sons. One son was Rabbi Leib. He was the author of the Ktsos one of the most important rabbinic works published in the last few hundred years. Another son was Rabbi Yehuda, author of the Kuntras Hasafekus, another extremely important rabbinic book. The third son was Reb Chaim, also a prominent rabbi in his day. And then there was the fourth brother, the fourth son, Reb Mordechai, who became a successful businessman and he was very wealthy. Can you imagine their mother? She proved what the Gemara says, his haru so much Torah emanated from her sons, and she had been so poor as a girl that her father had worried that he might not be able to marry her off at all. But truthfully, Nisala was worried about her fourth son, Reb Mordechai. He was a businessman, not someone who constantly spent all of his time in the four walls of Torah. Was he the weak link? She often wondered about this, and she was concerned. When she got older, after her husband died, Nisala moved in with Mordechai. He had a big mansion. He, was, he took very good care of his mother of her. One day, all the brothers came to visit Nisala, their mother. The Ktsos, the Kuntrasasvekas, Reb Chaim, and of course, Mordechai was there. It was his house. And Nisala sat quietly as they chatted to each other. Then she watched them get into a heated debate about a Torah topic. Voices were raised as each one tried to disprove the other one's theories and suggestions about the topic at hand. Mordechai was deeply involved in the discussion and he took a position that was at odds with his far more rabbinically distinguished brothers. The brothers, the other brothers, tried everything to stick to their guns. But whatever they came up with, Mordechai proved was flawed and faulty. And you know what? At the end of it all, Mordechai prevailed and his brothers admitted that he was right and they were wrong. Amazing! And his mother was so happy. According to the Chovetz Chaim, she stood up and began singing and dancing with joy. She said, I thought that when I reached my time in heaven, I would have a chair with only three legs. But now I know my chair is going to have four legs because all four of my sons are great in Torah. If dinim and mishpatim are at the center of who you are, you could have nothing material or you could have everything material. But one thing you'll have for sure that no one can ever take away from you. You will have the Torah. We're going to leave it here. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.